My name is Matt Miller, the campus pastor of New City Church Shawnee, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give financially to New City. Your giving makes this podcast possible. Now, I hope today's message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. If it does, I want to encourage you to click and subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, maybe even send it to a friend in need. Man, enjoy today's message. And church, would you give a hand for Rob Wagner? Thanks, brother. Well, good morning, New City. Listen, I could worship with you all all morning. How about I just sit down and we keep going? It's obvious you have a deep and passionate love for Jesus. So thank you, Matt, for the invite today. First thing I want to say, too, is thank you to all of you. Uh, The presence of New City in our city has made a significant impact. You may not realize it, but outsider looking in on your story and what God has done in the short time you've been in this city, you're changing the spiritual landscape of Kansas City. It's happening through you. And even now, you're talking about next year launching two new campuses, and it's inspiring. And, and you need to know you're setting an example. You're setting an example for the big C church in Kansas City. You know, how many churches are there in Kansas City? You know how many? One, right? One. Right? We have one Father. Can I get an amen? We have one Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? We have one Spirit. We have one baptism. We have one faith. We're family, right? And you need to know your presence as New City has been like an adrenaline shot into the body of Christ in the city. I believe Jesus designed for his people is that we would reproduce at every level, that that our life and his life in us would get reproduced in another. That's disciples reproducing disciples. And you know what? If you start making disciples, you know what you've become without even knowing it? A leader, right? And that leaders would reproduce other disciple makers or other leaders and then churches and networks. And that's the story you've been living out. You're showing the body of Christ in the city that it's possible to become a movement. So well done. And I just want you to step back for a moment and realize the amazing thing that Jesus has done through you. And I know you're into reproduction, not because of numbers or glory or your brand. It's for Jesus. And so people can be transformed by the good news. So it, it really is a privilege to be with you all this morning. And here's another thing that you might not know. Uh, Matt and your story was a, a, an important part of why my family actually moved to Kansas City. So I have to explain. Um, we got to be a part of a church plant in South Bend, Indiana, in the shadow of the Golden Dome of Notre Dame. And we had been there 22 years And that church had a similar vibe to New City and really had made a huge impact in our city. And we thought we'd be there the rest of our lives, right? Well, we got an invitation from the team at Westside to consider joining their team. And I was really good friends with three or four of the pastors on that team and felt prompted to at least explore it. But but again, it was a little bit daunting. I mean, we had roots deep, 22 years in one place. Our daughters were about to go into high school. That's a terrible time for a young person to move. Even the fact that we considered moving made me the Antichrist. They were like, no, we're not going, Dad. You can go alone, you know. And I was like, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Don't hate me, you know. And uh, we come to Kansas City to do an interview. And uh, I got up early. And I wanted to just spend some time alone with them to sit and listen and say, Lord, where are you leading? 
So I uh, looked up from the hotel the closest Starbucks. I didn't know it was Matt's office, <laughs> right? And I get in there, I got my coffee, I get down, I'm getting into my contemplative mode, and this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, are you Rob Wagner? And I was like, hey, are you a stalker? Like, how do you... <laughs> I don't know you. Who are you? <laughs> you know? Well, it ends up, again, one of my spiritual fathers is one of his, spirit, is one of his spiritual fathers, Dan Sutherland, and I don't know if you like stalk me on Facebook or something, but I'm like, yeah, I am. And he sat down. Um, and again, I'm like seeking the Lord's direction, where he wants to be. And he began to tell the story of New City. And not just your story, but the story of what God was doing in the city. And uh, it was so compelling. And you know, Matt, like he was recruiting me in like 10 minutes. Like, come on, man, got to get on the Kansas City team. You know, you got to be a royal. Come on. <laughs> and it was, uh, I knew it was a divine appointment. I knew the Lord had sent a leader in the city to welcome me to the city, and it meant a lot. And uh, we got done chatting, I went out to the patio, and I was praying, Lord, uh, what do you want for us? What do you want for our family? And I got this really clear prompting to Micah 6.8, and most of you probably heard that verse, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And actually, my response to Jesus was, great verse, does that mean come or stay? I'm not really getting that part. <laughs> Great verse, need a little more clarity, you know, and didn't get anything. Well, I'm going over to meet some of the pastors at Westside for the first interview. And when I walk into uh, the building, uh, one of the pastors, you know, is about back there by the door, and he's a good friend, a guy named Sean. And he just opened up his arms and he started coming towards me. And when he got about 10 feet away, guess what verse was imprinted on his chest? Micah 6 8. And he came up and he hugged me. I'm literally being hugged by Micah 6.8. <laughs> and he's like, welcome to the city, man. I think you belong here. And between Matt and that, it was like, okay, I'm open now. I'm ready to listen. And sure enough, the Lord led us here about six years ago. And we just, we fell in love with this city. Isn't it a great place to live? Isn't it? And, and you know what's interesting? I don't know if you've noticed this. After we got here, we somehow tipped the scales. Royals won the World Series. The Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. You're welcome. You're welcome. And what a time to be in Kansas City. God is up to something great in our city. And uh, served with the West Side team for about five years, and it was amazing. And then uh, myself and a team of sort of intrepid souls launched out about a year and a half, and we launched this thing called the Kansas City Underground. And Matt asked me to come and share some of our story today and why we're passionate about all of God's people being on mission, why we're passionate about this thing that we call microchurches. And when I tell people I'm one of the directors in the Kansas City Underground, uh, if they're church people, they'll say, is that, is that like a church plant? What is that? And I go, nope, it's not a church plant. Well, what is it? And then I always say, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you, all right, because I'm weird. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I promise I won't kill you. What is the Kansas City Underground? Well, imagine an umbrella, okay? And, and there's a handle in the middle, and we kind of have uh, what we call two-entity structure. On one side of the handle, we have a mission agency. And then on the other side of that handle, we have a, a decentralized network of microchurches. So I want to talk about both of these. Let's start with the mission agency, and I want to do a thought experiment. So imagine all of us have been uh, sent and commissioned to start a new mission agency. And we are being sent to the nation of Papua New Guinea. Very interesting country. Most culturally diverse country probably in the world. They have more than 800 languages and dialects in a very small geographic region. Isn't that amazing? 
It's also one of the most unexplored nations of the world because the topography is so dense and it's jungle and it's rugged. So you'll have these tribes that live actually relatively proximate to each other, but they basically have no communication. So they have their own culture and their own history and their own dialect and their own you know, cultural idioms and rhythms and very different from the tribe that's just over the mountain and they just they don't really interact. It, it's, a, it's a very, it sounds like a great place to go with bear. You know what I mean? Man versus wild, like let's go. Right? Imagine if we were given a 300 square mile plot of territory, and our job as a mission agency was to fill that whole area with the good news of Jesus. Like to fill it with the beauty and the justice and goodness of Jesus, to see a grace awakening, a gospel movement. So just imagine we're a team, and we're all sitting in a room, and we have all these whiteboards, and let's, let's brainstorm a strategy. The goal is to get to every single tribe, and there's hundreds of them. In this 300 square mile area, what's our strategy? Now, what we probably wouldn't come up with, because I can tell this is a smart group, what we probably wouldn't do is say, you know what, we're, we're all going to work together and we're going to plant one church in the middle. And we're going to have amazing preaching and amazing worship and amazing children's ministry. And we're going to build that thing. And then we're going to go out and we're going to invite everyone to come to this building in the middle. We wouldn't do that because we would figure out really quickly, if we do that, we have to pick one language. That means we're going to leave out about 400 other languages. You see what I mean? And a bunch of them, we have no relational credibility with them. Or, or geographically, there's going to be issues. I bet what we would come up with is what mission agencies have done for centuries. We would say, we need some ordinary people who will, are willing to live as missionaries. Like If we could get a couple people to be willing to go to every single one of these two or 300 tribes and, and live among them and begin to pray for them, begin to listen and engage to understand their story and their history and their culture and begin to eat with them and break bread, and find creative ways to serve them. And if they did those things consistently, if they kept praying and listening, engaging relationship, eating, serving, that gospel presence would earn a gospel proclamation. Like they would get to share the story of who Jesus is and what he's done and how Jesus has changed them. And then Jesus would draw people to himself. There'd be new disciples. And then you'd have this new little microchurch. Now, this is the way the church has grown for 2,000 years, actually. And it's the way that the church is growing around the world. A lot of people don't know this. This is actually the most amazing hour in the history of the, the church. Uh, like around the world in places like China, India, I mean, the, the, the most prolific, transformative, disciple-making, church-planting movements in the history of the church are happening now. And this is exactly how they grow. Like you plant a missionary among an unreached pocket of people, then you plant the gospel and you make new disciples. So here's our theory for the Kansas City Underground. We think here in Kansas City, which is actually a 300 square mile area, that there are hundreds of distinct unreached pockets of people. Would you agree with me? And that they're very culturally diverse. Like they don't look like me and you or, or act like me and you. Their worldview is different from me and you. Many of them even might have a different dialect or language. Like I had a buddy who was called to, to reach skaters. He's 28 years old and he's like the elder statesman of the skating community, right? And he could let me like tag along with them. Half the time, I literally have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just like, I don't know that word, you know? What's an alley? I don't know, you know, like they're just saying, but he does. You know, and he started this little YouTube account because he's a missionary. And, and he did little YouTube videos every day of kind of his life with Jesus, and you can look every day, and there's like 78 to 88 views every day because there's about 78 to 88 skaters at the park he goes to. And they're tracking with him. You see how that, that's a missionary, right? Doing life, earning a hearing, like 
participating in their world and now he's sharing the gospel. And every day they're like watching this guy with, with his life with Jesus. Like one day he's got a brand new baby and he's talking about what it's like to be a dad and, and God's calling his life to be a dad. He's doing dishes and holding the baby at the same time. How many of you know a bunch of those skaters are going, never seen that before? Like a dad who's doing dishes and holding the baby at the same time and it's because of Jesus. Interesting. How many of them do you think came from a broken home? Didn't have a dad that held them. Didn't have a dad who served and washed the dishes. And that's like, okay, maybe I want what this guy has. Are you tracking with me? You see what this looks like? So what we do is the Kansas City Underground. We're a mission agency. We just help ordinary people discover their mission identity. And we begin to give them the skills and the training and the support and the coaching they need to be able to realize, okay, here's my pocket of people that Jesus has sent me to. And what happens is they begin to multiply disciples. You know what you have there? You have what we call a microchurch. It's a new extended spiritual family seeking to own the mission of Jesus in a particular pocket of unreached people. They live in everyday gospel community. Do they have meetings? Yes. Is it about a meeting? No. It's about this new extended spiritual family living on mission together in, in gospel-fueled you know, community making new disciples. And, and so... I, I want us to get back to today this strategy that Jesus started with that's growing all over the world of planting missionaries who plant the gospel, who make new disciples, and these little microchurches pop up and they start reproducing like rabbits and like filling cities and filling regions. And this strategy goes back to John chapter 20. And you'll see it on the screen. And look at Jesus' words here to the disciples. I mean, this is a crack group of like spiritual uh, Navy SEALs. I mean, look at how ready these guys are to go on mission. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear, they're like, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not interested. Right? And we relate to that, don't we? Like the idea of being a missionary for a lot of us is really intimidating, and I get it. Like when I say missionary, a lot of you right away go to Mormons. It's like, oh, now I got to put on a white shirt and a tie and ride on a bike and knock on doors. No, you don't. Or we tend to think of like career missionaries where they, they parachute into a jungle and they have a machete, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. Guess what? You don't have to cross an ocean or a jungle to be a missionary. God has already sent you. You don't have to leave your zip code to become a missionary. He has already strategically sent you to an unreached pocket of people where you live, work, learn, and or play. And you can be a missionary there. And, and here's why you can know mission with a sense of joy and peace and rest. Here's why. Look at what it says here. It says they're, they're full of fear, just like we are. But Jesus came and stood among them and said what? Peace be with you. Like, mission actually comes out of a place of peace, shalom, rest. Do you want to know why? You do? Okay, great. Because <laughs> Jesus is resurrected, right? And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And so you can work from a place of rest because you're not trying to earn anything and prove to God that you're worthy of his love because Jesus' death settled all that. You can work from a place of rest because it isn't about you now. I'm going to deadlift mission in my neighborhood. Watch me lift this. No, no, no. Jesus is like, no, peace be still. Like, I'm at work. I'm out ahead of you. 
to just be a piece. You don't have to deadlift this. I got it. I just want you to join me. You can maybe spot me a little bit by joining me, but I'm going to lift this. He says, peace be still. So I just want to say over you today, if the idea of mission feels really scary and terrifying, peace be with you in the name of Jesus. And look at what he says next. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, right? Resurrection power. If I conquer death, hell, and the grave, we can get this job done in your neighborhood, right? And they were overjoyed. Yeah, yes, he is alive. We can do this. And it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I invite you to receive again the Holy Spirit this morning. Be a peace. And here's the first thing we need to see. Mission begins with Jesus, not with me and you. Guess what? Changing and converting other people, that's above your pay grade. Jesus is the one who changes and converts people. He's the one. He says, my father and I are always at work. He's the one who's doing the work. He's already at work in your neighborhood. He's already at work in your workplace or where you go lift in the gym. He's already at work. It begins with him. You don't have to go kickstart something. He's already active. Mission begins with Jesus. He says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. In other words, the Father has sent the Son, the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit, and the Father and the Son and the Spirit are sending us. The Spirit of God and your dad and the Lord Jesus, your big brother, they're they're just right behind you saying, come on, we can do this, let's go. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And how did the Father send Jesus? Think about it. How did he send him? We sang about it earlier. How did the Father send Jesus? You remember that part in Matthew where it says that Jesus was seated on his throne in heaven and he rolled back the sky and he pushed back the clouds and he stood up and he started preaching to humanity and the angels kicked in with some Bethel worship song and it was an amazing service and he said, amen, I'll be back next week. Bring your friends. You guys remember that part in the Bible? Where Jesus did a weekly message and the angels played and everyone invited their friends from heaven. No, what happened? We, we sang it. He left his throne in endless glory. Isn't that great? He left his throne and he became one of us. We sang it. He was born in this rough and ugly stable, born in a cradle, and he became one of us. He was a great missionary, wasn't he? And he just, like, he became a great son and he became a great neighbor. He learned how to be a a carpenter and do that well. 30 years just living in in obscurity. Total mundane life. Anyone else live a mundane life? Right? Jesus is at work in the mundane stuff. And then he got clarity on his calling, didn't he? The Father sent me to the lost sheep of Israel. Remember that? And then he goes out in the wilderness and he does his battle with the evil one and the demons and he defeats them. And he receives the power of the Holy Spirit. Boom. His life is our example and our model. Can I get an amen? amen? So you're living in the mundane, you know, things of life, learning to let Jesus be shaped in you, to be a good parent or a good sibling or a good worker. Well done. A bunch of you are letting Jesus shape you that way. And it matters. It's important. It gives you credibility. It makes you a good missionary. Why would God do it if it wasn't important? Why would he spend most of his life doing these normal things if it wasn't important? Anyone? Because it's important. 
Because if you're a missionary, you have to become one of them, right? And, and you already are where you're sent. And now God, for New City, he wants all of you to get clear on your calling, to do battle with your demons, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and go on mission just like Jesus did. Like, this is where I'm sent. Jesus knew he was sent to. And the Lord is revealing to some of you even now to whom you are sent. Receive it from him. That's your calling. So mission begins with Jesus. And the way that he's sent is the way that we're sent. And I want you to write this down. See, mission is not first about activity of God, the activity of God, but the identity of God. See, our God is a missionary God. That's really important. I'm not asking you to do some big program, right? God doesn't want you to have some complex program that's like Amway that you're trying to work in your neighborhood or your workplace. No, no, it's about an identity. And if you get the identity part right, it starts to flow out of you. And see, if you think through this, mission is not something that's extrinsic to God, it's intrinsic. I think of it like this. Mission is God's heartbeat. Can you do this with me? like we're imitating our heartbeat, right? And you have to wonder, what does God's heartbeat sound like? Now, let me tell you a story. When my eldest daughter, who just turned 22 a week ago, which makes me officially old, um, I remember when she was little, we were taking a nap one Sunday afternoon, and she was, we were lying on the couch, and she had her head resting on my chest, and then she stuck up her head and she said, Daddy, what's that noise? And I listened and I said, the fan? She goes, no, no, no. And she pointed at my chest, that noise in there. She had heard my heartbeat. And I explained, honey, that's my heart. It's pumping. It's pushing blood through my body. And she put her head down and she smiled like she was the first human being to ever hear a heartbeat. Oh, I discovered this new thing. There's a heart. And it was so moving to just watch her smile and listen to my heartbeat. And as, I, as she fell asleep, I was lying there, and I really feel that this is from the Holy Spirit. I began to wonder, what would it be like if I just was lying on the chest of God the Father and put my ear to his heart? What would it sound like? And a verse started coming through my mind in a rhythm from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is what I heard in my mind, that none should perish. It's the heartbeat of God, that none should perish. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full, that none should perish, that none should perish. And if you begin to hang around with Jesus and lie your head on his chest, your heart starts beating in sync with his heart. You want everyone to come fully alive in Jesus, that none should perish, that none should perish. And you know what that leads to is this. If our God is a missionary God, that makes us a missionary people. I'm a missionary. You're a missionary. Because God's heart is beating in us. And Jesus' mission continues through me. See, what we're learning together this morning is that we are called to have the identity of a mission-sent people. And just ordinary people living on mission where they live, work, learn, and play. It's how God has worked for 2,000 years. And sometimes we become over-dependent on the organized expression of the church and we begin to outsource mission and we just think the professionals would do it for us and God is saying, no, stand up straight. Stand up tall. 
You have the same spirit of God in you that's in Matt. You have the same spirit of God in you that's in people who are heroes to us, like Billy Graham. And you have been just as called, just as sent as any famous preacher or professional minister in the history of the world. Your, guess what? Your baptism was your ordination. Your conversion was your commission. And you didn't get a little junior Holy Spirit. You got the whole thing. And God has a calling for you. And it begins right where you are. He's sovereign. Can I get an amen? He has an assignment that he's given you in this city where you live, work, learn, and play. You're not there by accident. You've been sent there by the Holy Spirit. The church doesn't have to figure out some really big, complex strategy. It's like Jesus has got it. He's distributed his people into every corner of culture, every sphere of society. Are you with me? And it starts with ordinary people doing the same things Jesus did. You mean you begin in prayer. You begin to listen and engage relationship with people. Did you know when Jesus was asked a question, you know how he usually responded? With a question. Right? He was an amazing listener. His people listen to people who listen. A lot of times you think, if I'm a missionary, I've got to be this amazing preacher. No, you don't. That actually will probably work against you. But if you learn how to listen to the story of your neighbor or your coworker, see, again, you don't have to cross a jungle or an ocean. All you have to do is cross a cubicle or cross a street or cross a fence. Are you with me? And you begin to listen and engage relationship. And then, you know what Jesus did? He ate with people to the point they called him a drunk and a glutton. See, it's at a table that a stranger becomes an acquaintance, and an acquaintance becomes a friend, and then through the gospel, they can become family. The table, if we start opening up our front porch and our kitchen table and our backyard, and I know there are limitations right now, but there aren't always going to be, and begin to practice hospitality and then serve. Jesus, wash feet. And if you're praying for people by name and you're listening to them and you're eating, they're going to show you how to serve them. And when you do, it's going to make the gospel tangible. You become a gospel presence. And then guess what? You begin to have small talk and then significant talk and then spiritual talk. And you get to share the good news about Jesus. So let me tell you, as the underground, what we've seen is uh, we've seen ordinary folks who plant themselves among an unreached pocket of people They start living those missionary rhythms there. They get to plant the gospel and new disciples emerge. And when those new disciples emerge, you have a new expression of the church. You have a new extended spiritual family. We call it a microchurch. And the microchurches are are led by ordinary people. They're seeking to live an everyday gospel community. They're owning the mission of Jesus in their unreached pocket of people. And let me tell you a story of our microchurch so you get a, a sense of what it looks like. So again, we moved here six years ago in Kansas City. And uh, we moved here into Shawnee, love my hometown, and we live in City View Farms. Can't see the city, there's no farm. So anyway, but we love it. And uh, the first 18 months, we just lived those simple blessed rhythms. We, we began in prayer, like when we get to know a neighbor's name, we'd write it down, and we'd start praying for him by name. We focused on listening, hearing their stories, hearing the story of the neighborhood, just understanding what their hopes are, where their, their hurts are. And the other part of listening is we started listening to the neighborhood. We started noticing, oh, everybody goes to the mailbox about, you know, 4.30 to 5. So I'm going to start going to the mailbox around 4.30 to 5. I'm going to be like a weird dude in the house watching for people to go out to the mailbox. Going out now, you know, because I want to meet my neighbors. It's not weird. It's called being social, you know, and chit-chat for a couple minutes. We started noticing, oh, people walk their dogs on the little track at school after dinner. So we're going to walk our dogs then, even though I'd probably walk my dog in the morning. But I'm not because I'm a missionary. I need to meet people. So we started running into the same people, and dogs are a great 
connection. Any dog people, right? right? And you have this instant bond with dog people, right? And uh, so one of the people that we met, walking dogs, is a neighbor about four or five houses down. And over time, we began to become friends. And we began to just invite people over, you know, hey, let's watch the Chiefs game, right? Let's eat together. And about 18 months in, one of those neighbors, we were walking the dog, and I could tell from the look on her face that something wasn't right. And so we were about to walk away, and I just asked her, hey, is everything okay? You seem really down today. And there was a long pause. I could tell she was trying to decide if she wanted to really tell us how she was doing or not. And she said, okay, you know what? I, there's something I've been wanting to talk to you about, actually for a couple weeks, and I'm, I'm going through a really tough time. Um, can I talk to you two about it? Michelle and I said, of course, come on down. We came in and sat down at our kitchen table, and she began to open up about a very, uh, it's private, I won't share details, but a story of deep pain in her life that had been going on for 15 years that was kind of building to this crisis moment, and it was just wrecking her relational world. And she said, I can't beat it. I feel, I feel like it owns me. And, and you two, I know we don't know each other that well, but you're just the, whenever I'm with you, I feel peace. And it started an overt spiritual conversation, and we started sharing about similar situations in our life. We felt locked up like she did, and how Jesus liberated us from that. And three weeks later, she gave her life to Jesus at her kitchen table. And then the next day when we were walking the dogs, she came literally running out of her house. Rob and Michelle! Rob and Michelle! When I got up this morning, God was in my room. And for the first time I, I can remember, I felt peace. And she said, I sat at the end of my bed and I talked to Jesus. I said, Lori, he's never going to leave you. You have the Holy Spirit now. And she's been walking with us, following Jesus now for about four years. A few weeks after she met Jesus, another neighbor that was four or five houses down that Michelle and I had never met because they're almost two blocks down. She's friends with them. And they're sharing a story of great challenge in their life. And she starts sharing her story. I don't even know about this. I'm working in my garage. And I notice this young guy, and he starts walking back and forth in front of my house. And when he goes by the fourth time, I'm curious. I stick my head on my head. Hey, is there an address you're looking for? Maybe I can help you. And he stopped, and he said, this is going to be awkward. That was his first line. <laughs> I said, I'm, I love awkward. I am so awkward. What is it? And he said, well, you know, and he mentioned this neighbor's name. And I said, yeah, of course I do. He said, well, she's close to our family, and she was over, and I'm going through a really, really hard time. And she said, Jesus has changed everything for her and God has changed everything. And she said, there's some people down here who know a lot about God and Jesus. Are you the God people? <laughs> he literally asked me, are you the God people? And I said, yes, we are. Come on up into my garage. And I got a man cave in there and he and I started hanging out. And three weeks later, he gave his life to Jesus in my garage. And it set off this chain reaction. Now we have 24 people found Jesus together in my neighborhood. And none of them are like people that came on the backside of a weekend service. They're actually new disciples in a new context. And it's changed the whole culture of our neighborhood. We had a, a, a young couple move in. They're in their early 20s. And uh, about a year, no, it was almost two years ago now. And they got invited to come to one of our parties because um, we like to party. And they, you could tell they had a great time. And they stayed till everyone else left. And I could tell they wanted to ask something or know something. And we were sitting, and finally, uh, she worked up enough courage. She said, okay, I have to ask a question. 
You know, you hear about neighborhoods in the 40s and 50s where everybody knew each other, open door policy, it's like a big family, you raise your kids together. We feel like we got in a time machine and moved into one of those neighborhoods. And she said, is this for real? And I said, it absolutely is. It's amazing. And she said, was it like this when you guys moved in? I said, no, actually, it wasn't at all. She said, well, what was it like? And I said, you know the courtesy wave? And she laughed. She was like, that's the neighborhood I grew up in, courtesy wave, but you don't know anybody. I said, exactly. And she goes, what changed? And I prayed, not out loud, you know, just internally, like, Lord, what do you want me to say? And uh, this popped out of my mouth. I said, well, there's a group of us here that think Jesus is the smartest man who ever lived. And when he said, love your neighbors yourself, we think he meant your actual neighbor. And she laughed. She said, like, I get it. Like, it's not a metaphor. You're supposed to love the people you live by. I said, exactly. And she said, that is so cool. When's the next party? So they came to parties for about a year. And after a Chiefs game, the playoffs where they lost, uh, she looked at Michelle and I and said, I want a relationship with God like you guys have. Let's go on. And they were living together. And two months ago, I married them. In front of Jesus. And imagine if that happened in every neighborhood in this city. That would change this city. And you know what? It doesn't take a lot of money. Now, my grocery budget has gone up significantly, so get ready for that. And it doesn't take a seminary education. It takes two questions. You ready? It starts with two questions. And these you should actually write down, put in your phone. Unless you can memorize them, they're pretty easy. Here's the first one. Jesus, where are you at work, where I live, work, learn, and play? I want to invite you to start praying that prayer every day. You guys seen Christmas Story? You know the ultimate dare is the triple dog dare? I triple dog dare you to begin praying that prayer every day. Jesus, where are you at work, where I live, live, work, learn, and play? And secondly, Jesus, how can I join you? And I, I guarantee you, if you pray this with an open heart, it's going to be the beginning of an adventure with Jesus. And you just need to, to stop and look and go, you know, these things like begin in prayer, listen, right? Eat, serve. How many of you are already doing those every day already? Am I right? It's just with a new intentionality. You're like, Lord, who have you sent me to? And live, work, learn, and play. If you start saying, Lord, where are you at work where I live, work, learn, and play? You're going to start seeing like some activity somewhere. Like for us, our daughters, one of them was a cheerleader, so we had that network. Another one was a volleyball player. We had that network, and then we were in our neighborhood. And those first 18 months, we're like, Lord, where are you at work where we live, work, learn, and play? And we're kind of watching where Jesus moves. And then, boom, that happens in our neighborhood. And we knew, let's go. Right? I didn't have to make something up. Just 18 months of just doing normal stuff, intentionally, fueled by Jesus, and then bam, he draws someone to himself. Let's go, Lord. And now 24 people found Jesus. He will guide you step by step. And, and Matt shared with you this vision of New City Neighborhoods. And here's the truth. We need every expression of the church in the city to get the job done. Can, can I get an amen? We, we need organized, larger expressions of church to get the job done. But can you agree with me? We need microchurches too. We need both and. And the microchurch is like small enough and adaptable enough and proximate enough to actually get into every single corner. And here's our dream. This is the thing we're praying for. It's a 40-year dream. A missionary in every street and a microchurch in every network of relationships. So let's, you in? All right. And the question is, are you in? And I want to just end with this. Ask the band to come up now. Remember where it started. 
12 guys in a room terrified. Isn't that great? Isn't that comforting? Just ordinary dudes like us with weak knees and all sorts of flaws and, and, and not much education. But Jesus said, peace, peace to you. And I want to say that this morning, peace to you. You don't have to earn this or strive for this or, 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 or somehow be a superstar. Just rest in your identity as a beloved Know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peace, be still. You can work from a place of rest. And then he says, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. If this is pinging off your heart right now, like you can feel it, you know what that is? That's a calling. You're being called. You're being invited. Would you say yes to Jesus during this song? Hey, Lord, I'm in. I'm afraid too. I don't know what this means. I don't feel like I can do this, but you're saying peace to me. So Lord, fill me with your peace and Lord, send me as you've been sent and start praying those two prayers every day. Jesus, where are you at work where I live, work, learn, and play? And start watching and then ask him, how can I join you? And follow Jesus and get ready for a miracle. (laughs) Let's stand together. We're going to sing. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and thank you for supporting the teaching ministry of New City Church. I mean, if this podcast inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more information. Have a blessed day.